We're in April on Right at the Fork. My name is Chris Angeles, and I am pleased to have as a guest today a woman who grew up making things with her hands, moved on to being a graphic artist, married a graphic artist and a digital, someone in the digital world, and from there went to the pastry arts program at the Oregon Culinary Institute. And then in 2009, Liz Merrick founded the Artisan Cake Company. And uh, that operates out of her home. Uh, she does beautiful, beautiful wedding cakes, birthday cakes, uh, specializes in those. And we talked to Liz today about the process of deciding to operate that kind of business out of one's home so that um, she could raise her family, which I think is a topic of interest to a lot of people. There are many people out there who need to juggle uh, their dreams, their businesses, along with family needs. And it's not always done successfully. Uh, Sometimes it's just a shot in the dark, and then you find that you haven't been able to pay attention to your children and other family needs the way you want to. Liz found a way, and she's on the track uh, with that, and I really enjoyed our conversation with her. Um, You'll enjoy the conversation, especially if you're considering opening a business and you want to look at different opportunities. Um, You can find Liz on Artisan Cakes on Twitter, at Artisan Cakes on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is Artisan Cake Company, YouTube Artisan Cake Company, um, and then on the web at artisancakecompany.com. Thanks for coming. You're, it looks you're baking something else. You brought it with you. The what? You're baking something else. You brought brought it with you. Oh you yeah. Got, how far are we along? Um, I am exactly halfway. Do I put these on? Yeah. Okay. Do I hear myself? Oh, weird. I just no. I don't know. How do you feel? Oh, I can hear you. Okay. Good. <laughs> you should be able to hear me. It's a it's a little strange like listening but also seeing somebody you know, like through headphones it's always some people say it's always strange seeing me so you're uh, you just have to get used to it <laughs> the aroma of the cupcakes i think will help cut through <laughs> yeah and your smile too you've got a beautiful smile uh, oh thanks i'm really excited to be here i've uh um i love talking about food who doesn't like love to just sit down and be like hmm let's just talk about the one thing that consumes my whole life <laughs> You know, it seems like that's all we talk about. Heather and I, you know, this is it, after a while. And then once in a while, don't you at some point say I'd like to talk about something other than food? Mm, no? Good. The, the only, well, you're young. You haven't, yeah. you know, you haven't gotten to the point where. I think the only other thing I really talk about is my husband is a graphic designer and like a website marketing type person, and, which is what I did before I started baking. And so sometimes he'll, um, which is, which is nice, but sometimes he'll just, you know, randomly be like, oh, I just read this article on this new way of marketing on Facebook or, um, Instagram or something. And I always find that stuff really interesting, but still technically has to do with food. So. Yeah, it's always geared around how to, how to promote the food. Yes. And, yes. And there's always something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally it's like every week. I don't know if you saw that now Facebook's announced a new way of boosting. There's Going no. 
and probably by the time this airs, there'll be another new one. So I did notice my Facebook layout was all of a sudden different. It like the text and just the layout was subtly different. There's a three tiered system for advertising now yeah. on Facebook. Um, but you know, I wanted to talk about food, but I also we're, I also really want to talk to you about how you produce your food and how you sell your food and the structure because. What you're doing, I think, is of interest to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Just making the conscious decision to raise a family Mm -hmm. and be there and do the things necessary to be in the home while you're creating and uh, uh, maintaining, maintaining and having a thriving business out of your home. Yeah. Um, That's near and dear to me because (laughs) I have been self-employed since 1995. I raised my children myself, and it wasn't. I, I didn't really lay this. I didn't really lay the plan out and say this is what I'm going to do. But I ended up working out of my home from then. And in the, in those days, so you know, it wasn't common, and so you had to act like you were in an office. Mm-hmm. You had to sound like you're in an office. You never said you were working from your home, right? And um, and so years later, I found some tricks, and now I can work from lots of places, including, you know, the beach with a cell phone. <laughs> You know, I, I, and so the there were places, there were times along the way. Had a small ad agency where I would either grow it or not, mm-hmm. and and it would still grow in a certain sense. But I had to decide whether to go brick and mortar, hire some people, or just work with some freelancers out of my home. So that's different because what you're doing is producing a product that people have to consume. You either bring it to them or they have to come to you. And so um, I just wanted to talk to you about how you got to, you know, how your growth occurred and at what point you said it might. And obviously this happened before you were having a child. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you made that decision before. Talk a little bit about um, your your business model. Well, sure. I think that um, anybody in the food industry, unless you are planning on working for a specific company like some people, especially chefs, they they think I want to go to school and I want to learn the skills and then I want to go work for a specific restaurant that I really like or, or I want to become a really good chef in a restaurant. And then there's sort of the other half who think I want to open my own restaurant or bakery or whatever. And um, at least in the cake de- decorating industry, I feel like a lot of decorators that is just your natural inclination is I want to learn to bake and decorate and then open a bakery. And that is sort of like your end goal. And that was my end goal when I very first started cake decorating. And so for years and years, that's kind of what I had in my mind. But um, I also knew how I long was years and years. I'm just curious because you're, uh, you're pretty young. So. Uh, well, six years ago, that's a lot. Okay, that's a lot for years. me. Your, your years and years is different than my <laughs> yes. years and years. So I just wanted to clarify yes. what that was. Uh, I would say for about three years, uh, mm-hmm. four years, uh, that was my plan. Until not too you know, long ago, I, I sort of mentally made the change in my mind. And um, what happened was I was... Uh, I, I had first started my my at home bakery because that's how you start. And um, the reason I did that was because we were going to start a family, and I wanted to be at home um, with my uh, kids. I, I thought we were just going to, you know, have like three or four or something, and just I wanted a big family, and I wanted a flexible work schedule, but I still wanted to feel um, creative and and make an income or something. Um, but. Uh, we ended up not getting pregnant right away. It took us a lot more effort than we thought we, we were. It was going to. We ended up having to go through, 
you know, the whole IVF process, which is where we are now. So so six years, I'm just now getting pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited. Um, and so in the meantime, I accidentally just sort of started this business, you know, that was going to be something that I just kind of would do to keep myself busy while I was raising children. Um, but when you uh, don't have kids, you got a lot of free time. <laughs> so I was really able to throw myself really into. It's good that you're recognizing uh, that. And yeah. I, I don't think you realize exactly <laughs> what you meant. Yes. Yet. Well, you know, people tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you people can tell you anything yes. until you're living it. You don't. You can't know. They also tell me though that I won't mind. Um, you'll be the busiest and tiredest that you ever have ever been. In, and this is coming from cake decorators who are. Very mm-hmm. tired and work very long hours, and you just won't care. So, I mean, I'm just looking forward to I that. I think they're referring to the period before they become teenagers. <laughs> yes, yes, true. <laughs> so, um, I uh, I have been focusing on my my um, bakery, and for a long time, my my mind was still set around opening up a storefront, and I almost got there. I I was really like literally looking into loans and hiring staff, and we found a place that was over on um, Foster over on the east side that was a really great space that we were going to renovate into a kitchen and it was just you know it was all happening but it was like very quickly I realized how incredibly in debt I was going to be in and there was just no way around it there was just I mean I I've never opened up a restaurant but I'm sure anybody who has knows that you just get completely like way way into debt (laughs) did you did you consider things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and I did as part of that equation I did, but the pro- and I've done a Kickstarter before. I opened up a, a food cart, or I built a food cart a couple years ago, that um, was also another little endeavor, side endeavor, because I wasn't busy enough apparently. Uh, that I was going to do, and I did a Kickstarter for that, and went through the whole process and built the the food cart and everything. But um, I had a very far- hard time finding a place for the food cart and for people to run it because there are very there are a lot of food carts in Portland. <laughs> So that ended up not working out. And well, even if you can find a place, it's still, you're one of a lot. Yes. So it's uh, not that. Yeah, yeah, and it was very expensive, and it was just one of those, it's just like one of those things that you don't realize really how um, the actual running part, like the idea part is very simple and very easy, and the cooking part is very easy, but then actually like the daily act of running a food cart is like, well, then I would actually have to give up cake decorating because there's nobody who's going to care about it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of choose one or the other. But um, the same thing happened with the bakery, whereas once I realized how extremely in debt I was going to need to be, I did the, the business plan where they, you know, they say, uh, how much would you need to sell per day to make your wages, your overhead, um break even basically to just try and pay your loan off like I think my loan payments were going to be like ten thousand dollars a month or something for the amount of the loan that I need to get that's a lot before you get to, <laughs> to take care of all the and other that's things. just the loan payment that's not even like wages for employees ingredients cost of working and all that and um I suddenly realized that I was going to have to open up a bakery that was sold the sole purpose was going to be making money and that just made me feel like so sad. I just felt like that is the exact opposite of what I've always wanted to do. And, you know, I kind of reassessed my thought process and was like, I, the reason I started baking was to be home with my kids. I would never be home. If I had a bakery, I would be at the bakery because you'd have to be running it. But would well, you always have to be running it? I have a, a friend in Connecticut who I had mentioned to you earlier mm-hmm. Um she uh, runs Sugar Bakery there, mm-hmm. and I think she has – I know she has at least three kids. I know she's yeah. recently had another. 
Um, but she's got a lot of employees, and and I'm, she works very hard. But mm-hmm. she gets some time with her kids. So I, yeah, I, think I guess at some point there's the tipping point, but you don't know you're going to get there. Right. right. I mean, she had a uh, cupcake she, wars I was say, appearance. She was also on Cupcake Wars. Yeah, <laughs> she, I can tell you some interesting stories just from that appearance yes. uh, that have happened. So without that, who knows? But yeah, she's been able to do it. But you don't know going in exactly. that you're going to get that. I think that. Um, a, a business when it's very first starting out or really at any point um, can really fall to pieces quickly quality wise if you're not um, making sure that things are up to par because like I said nobody cares about your quality as much as you do and um, and the people that you're paying close to minimum wage or you right. want to pay them more but they can't care as much right. as you do and the, and not everybody know like Unfortunately and fortunately, like being self-employed, you get to wear all the hats, you know, all the ins and outs about, yeah, I mean, you know all about the inventory, you know all about uh, getting back with clients and how important customer service is. And you you just don't let anything fall through the cracks because you've just, you've had to do that for so long. But anybody else coming into the picture, they only know to, to do their one job. So even now I have two assistants who help me bake and they do a really great job, but they don't know the first thing about emailing clients or, you know, um, how to file our taxes <laughs> or anything like that. So there's still, even though I'm, I have a baby coming, there's still a certain amount that will still be my responsibility. I'm kind of the office manager now, <laughs> which kind of stinks. But it's not really the fun part. I don't think we've talked to one person <laughs> in that seat who says they like being the office manager. No, I think they only... They wouldn't be doing this if yeah. that's what they were... If that, that's what they want to do. I don't like being my office no, manager. No, it's not that I don't enjoy talking with clients and I don't enjoy that. Because I, I do. I love having meetings with clients and talking about the cake and going through that process. Well, that's the whole process. That's why you're doing it. <sighs> so you can do something from your heart directly to mm-hmm. to meet their expectations and make them smile. I mean, that's what food Everybody is for. Everybody loves cake. I've never delivered a cake where the person we was We should like, have some of this cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you. Well, she started off by by, <laughs> by saying that we we're going to have to keep me away from it. So the uh, um, that was one of the reasons I actually switched to cake decorating. I was a graphic designer before I was a cake decorator, and nobody wants graphic design work. Like it's like this thing you have to have, or people people are like, "Well, I hear I have to have a logo, or I hear I have to have, you know." Um, a website or something, and but they don't really want it, and they definitely don't want to pay the money that it, it takes to to create things like that because they don't realize how time intensive it is, and they think there's these magical buttons that just change everything. And well, nowadays people are used to that, so <laughs> yes. you can go to logo companies in India that will do them for I know fifty dollars. I don't know how can... I don't know how graphic design agencies stay in business these days with every everything's changed. Yeah. photography, oh, photography, graphic design yeah. agencies, advertising agencies, everything. Mm-hmm. And and because everyone's sitting in front of a Mac, they all think they can be experts at everything. Yeah, the programs just do it for you, right? Pro- right. You don't need any real creativity. So yeah. uh, will that ever happen in the cake business, do you think? I Man, the cake the cake industry is very saturated with people coming in. I mean, will we be able to click in. and make a cake and then no. have it bake and the, then the, deliver the, to us? The or? thing is, is that in the cake industry, um, and I was talking to Heather a little bit about this, but it was like, uh, it, we're living in this world of sharing. Everybody shares all of their information, all of their tricks, all of their ways of doing things where in the past you did not share your recipes. You did not share your techniques. Like that was something that set you apart. And now it's like if you don't share, 
then you you're like the weird one, <laughs> you know. So what that what that does is it makes everybody feel like they know everything. They everybody's already an expert, and um, so you have a lot of this sort of like oversaturated cheapcakes, I guess. You know, people who are underselling themselves, who are underpricing. They don't really care if they're making money because they're just sort of doing this as a hobby, which really hurts the professionals because nobody wants to pay. Uh, a proper price for a, for a well-made cake when they can get their neighbor to do it for 50 bucks, you know, or something. Um, on the other hand... So those are like the bake sale people? So they're... They're like the stay-at-home moms who just, you know, they like right. like to, to make the cakes or... Is there any designation you need to be able to call yourself a professional or just this is what you do every day for I've, a living? Is I feel there... like a professional and a hobbyist is defined by whether or not you get paid for it. And if you want to do it as a hobby, then you should not be charging people... Um, for 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 making a cake, you know, uh, and if you are going to be charging them, then you should be charging them a fair price. You should be licensed. You should be doing it legally, just like any other business. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask. I'm, I don't. I was going to ask if there are some people with brick and mortar bakeries who might say, "You're not. You know, you're working out of your home, and it's you're kind of cheating the system a little bit too." Because I know, I know there are some brick and mortar restaurants who think that about the food carts. Yes. So. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit lucky here in Portland. Um, I forget that there that the food industry is so different in other parts of the U- United States or even just the state, where um, Portland really appreciates a artisan quality food, and it's not that strange to be working out of your home. Like it's still it's it's a lot easier for me to say that I'm working out of my home now than it was six years ago. No. But um, in other parts of you know the United States they're just now passing laws where you can wor- even work out of your home um, and bake food and there are things called cottage laws and they have different laws depending on the state and bakeries hate them they just hate them and so they're pretty lax here mm-hmm. um, I think we just have more rules like it's more common here to work out of your home to have a catering business or which actually I don't think you can cater out of your home but um to to start a little bakery like making cookies or desserts or things like that here and so Multnomah County is very uh, familiar with with getting that process going for you and giving you the right directions. Where in other parts, other state, states, it's it's like they don't even know. They're like, "What? You want to make cakes out of your house? I don't even have paperwork for that." And like, then wait <laughs> wait for the citation to come. Yes, okay. and and then um, I personally think that I like I like the rules and I, I like having guidelines because it just makes it very easy to know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Um, I I think everybody hears scary stories about there's always two sides of the story. I mean, there are home bakers who don't take it very seriously, and that's a little scary, and, you know, it seems a little yucky. And then, but bakery, like brick and mortar bakeries do that too, like restaurants that don't have good ratings and don't exactly follow the rules. So I don't necessarily think it has to do with like whether you're at home or where you're there in a brick and mortar building, it's whether or not you actually follow the rules and respect the food and what you're doing is a business and not, I mean, like people got to eat this. <laughs> you know, so. Well, at the end of the day, you know, you're, we were talking about the marketing process and the process of doing, but at the end of the day, you got to sell to customers Yeah. and you have a website. Mm-hmm. Online for, reviews. Online reviews. Yeah. You don't have a storefront mm-hmm. that people can't walk by and say, oh, doesn't that look pretty? They have to do it online. So, yeah. um, are those are those is that an advantage for you? I mean, you don't have to pay for a storefront, so think, you have to drive people to a website and a Facebook page or a Instagram. I think it's getting so. easier 
um, the invention of the smartphone is almost like virtual walking and around downtown. You know, sometimes I think for people, uh, it's very easy to see my website on your phone just on a whim or on your iPad or your computer or wherever. Um, and pretty much, I mean, every age group pretty much can use an iPad and iPhone now. Whereas a few years ago, I felt like it was much more difficult to reach people without a brick and mortar storefront um, just because not everybody thinks to just look on their phone, I think, uh, you know, as, as much as they do now. But um, do you have your website optimized for a phone? I, that, I do. Because you obviously have some, <laughs> some family involved in this and you have some experience. I think that I'm extremely lucky that my husband knows so much about websites because he thinks about things like that. I remember the first time he came to me and he said, I want to make your website responsive. And I was like, what? <laughs> and what he meant was that it, the, the website's configuration would change depending on what device you were looking at it on mm-hmm. so that it wasn't just a tiny version of a website on an iPhone where you had to enlarge and get the buttons. It actually would change it so on your iPhone it was just buttons. It was just the navigation so you could look at the gallery or go to the pricing page or go to the contact page. And if you were on an iPad, it was a certain configuration too. And Let me just interject here yeah. because while you're talking about it, some people listening might want to actually go to the page and right. be looking at it. So it's artisancakecompany.com, yes, and uh, which Liz is talking about right now. So go check it out while you're listening. Yeah, and, uh, yeah uh, tell me what you think about the website because I think I might change it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, you're a cake designer, mm-hmm. but a website is as important to you it's very important. A- important to you as anything else. So. It's like my face that I show the public. So all of the cakes, um, all of the cakes that I have on my website are cakes that I want to make or I'm proud of. I don't put any of the cakes up there that I don't want to make again. I mean, I think that's a mistake that some other cake decorators make, which is uh, they either don't have enough pictures, they don't have nice pictures, or they have. Um, only pictures of cakes that they've made in the past, which may be just, you know, kind of simple birthday cakes or something that they don't really want to continue to make. They want to get into the the wedding cake market and they just, you know, how do I get wedding customers? How am I, how do I get these other customers that I don't have yet? And people will just will not order things that they don't see that you've already made. Um, and how do you get customers? How, do, how what, what is the marketing process? I mean, I'm not asking for your marketing plan, but oh. overall, where do you, where do most of your cu- customers come from? Um, it's it changes all of the time. Uh, marketing is very different now, especially depending on your demographic. I mean, whoever my demographic is young brides and sort of like parents with children, you know, par- birthday parties and people who are getting married. Um, that's sort of like my main people that I serve to. And um, most of them find me through Facebook um, directly on my website. If they search, uh, you know, wedding cakes, Portland or bakeries, Portland, my, mine pops up near the, the top uh, of the Google search. And then um, I'm just recently discovering that I actually have a lot of customers who find me through Instagram, um, mm-hmm. which was never a thing. Well, until you got a visual media. You got a visual. I always thought that I always feel like people who are online are like far away. Like nobody in the same city who would be potential clients are following me on social media, which is actually not the case anymore. Um, and sometimes they'll tell me, and they're like, oh, yeah, I've been following you for years on Facebook, and I finally have a reason to order a cake. And I was like, really? And I'm like, oh, gosh, that sounds kind of scary. <laughs> you know, I don't hope I didn't accidentally, because it's Facebook. It's easy to be casual and 
Um, I'm never un, like unprofessional, but I forget sometimes that I'm talking sometimes more about cakes. Like sometimes I talk about video games or like, you know, random trips that were going on. And Well, it makes you human. Yeah. And I think just sitting here right now, uh, listening to you and once you meet you, you have more of a desire to order a cake from someone who's got <laughs> heart and soul than just, you know, a, a wall of pictures in addition to yeah, that. Yeah, so maybe I, that's true. Maybe people, um, maybe we're going into the age of marketing where people are able to order um, products through companies that just feel like they mesh well with the person that they're going to be working with and not necessarily do they have good products because we all know that Portland has no, like, you know, lack of talented food industry <laughs> professionals. It's all part of the experience. Yeah. And with you, it's the or- part of the ordering experience mm-hmm. and the delivery and and feeling good about serving a really special occasion. I yeah. mean, this is something that's really important to people. It's not it's not a one out. This it, is an ongoing thing that yeah, you're dealing and with. And the cakes that I make are I uh, I didn't purposely do this, but I didn't realize at the time that the reason I really enjoy making cakes is the creative the creative process of making something into a 3D thing that is going to be gone. It's like this sort of magical uh, food where you put all of this time and effort into something that is literally just going to be washed away and gone forever, except for pictures. And it, but it creates pleasure. Yeah, it makes it's a this, lot of people get this, to get celebrating pl- this happy occasion, and um, and it'll be captured forever. Not only the moment you finish making it, you mm-hmm. take pictures, but you get it to the wedding, and everybody's going to have pictures of that cake. So that's that's got to be gratifying. But it, it is. It's also um, it also gives it more meaning. Right. And um, so that creative uh, process that I really enjoy, I think I accidentally sort of set myself apart from other bakeries where it's actually not about just pumping out cupcakes. I never got into the cake pop scene. I tried this like one time and was like, this is not working for me. This takes forever. You know, I have have friends in other parts of the country who have mentioned cake pops to me and I'd never heard of them. Why why aren't they in Portland? I don't see them. They may be, but I'm not. Starbucks. They, right. Well, yeah. I'm not. I'm not in Starbucks enough. But, yeah. <laughs> um, well, or that often, um, but you don't see them everywhere. They're not. I've seen them a couple of places. I've tried one because I heard about it. But. They're weird, and I, I don't really. It's kind of a strange texture for me. Uh, but uh, I don't know why they didn't really take off in Portland. I think Portland is actually a little bit behind on cake trends in general. Um, so I, I, that's another reason I sort of am a little bit separate from other. Uh, bakeries because you know we do we're very natural here we're you know we don't need these big fancy cakes um, necessarily I just happen to really like making them so for me I would rather make a big crazy sculpted cake or an elaborate wedding cake with sugar flowers than like a tart like that just is not fulfilling to me creatively but most people most bakeries they let they really enjoy that part they enjoy making a good artisan quality um, scratch tart with organic fruits and vegetables or or um just the baking process. But for me, I, I, I love knowing that I'm giving my clients this delicious scratch made, you know, cake that tastes really good, but the outside part is what really excites me, you know? So, um, how many different inside parts do you, uh, do you prepare? How many different flavors? Not a lot anymore. Uh, I used to have quite a few different flavors and variations, uh, I, I have six flavors that are sort of the popular ones that I've just sort of noticed that everybody kind of likes over time. And that's the vanilla, the chocolate, lemon, champagne, which is what you, I brought you guys today, and red velvet um, and marble. So those are 
pretty much all of the basic flavors of cake and then various types of fillings like fruit fillings, lemon, chocolate, ganache, um, those kinds of things. If someone asks you to make something different like a ginger cake, you, you'll do that? Some, some I will, some I won't. Um, somebody recently asked me if I could make a burnt almond cake and I had no idea what that was. And it wasn't that I didn't want to make it. I just, if I have no point of reference, you know, Boy, what am I going to make? An English teacher would, ha- would have a field day with that, depending <laughs> on where you put that word burnt and how you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought, so you want me to burn almonds? I don't, how will that be good? But other times, people have asked me for um, chocolate peanut butter, and it's like, oh, sure, I could do that. Or mm-hmm. they want uh, cookies and cream filling. That's no problem. So... Uh, as long as I know what it is, I'm perfectly willing to to make it to their specifications, especially like things like gluten-free, um, dairy-free. That kind of stuff is really common here in Portland, too. Yeah, you have to do that. You kind of have to, yeah. <laughs> so take us through the process um, that you go through. You meet with or you talk mm-hmm. with a customer. You th- refer to them as customers or clients. I always find I that there's clients. a difference. Good. yeah. And uh, to me, that's a more that's a stronger relationship than a yeah. Customer. I think a customer is somebody who just walks in and picks up a product and leaves, and a client is somebody that you have a relationship with and you um, you talk with more than once, and and really it's a personalized experience. So that says a lot that that's the word that you use. So um, so you have a conversation, mm-hmm. and then when you're done with that conversation, what is the process you go through to present to them what you're gonna what what you want to make and uh, what they'll see. So um, I have like I have a really like specific process down and and part of it is to control the uh, I don't know what I don't know what you've called it the process to control the amount of emails that go back and forth um, because n- not a lot of people have ordered a specialty cake before whether it's a birthday or it's a wedding this is their very first time and they have no idea how much it's going to cost or what the process is do we do a tasting do I have to pick it up I mean they just have a lot of questions and so pretty much no matter what they say in the first email uh, there will always be sort of questions that are unanswered do you try to get them on the phone no 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 keep I, them off the phone so you, you have to figure out how to manage the emails i do i um prefer to work through email because i can quickly respond uh and get whatever information i need back from them without the, the lengthy conversation of being on a phone and then i have documentation that i can later refer to mm-hmm. so if i'm on the phone i will will almost 100 percent forget what we have talked about <laughs> and so um I just never developed sort of a system of writing down like every little detail of what we've 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 talked about. I, too. I think it's the where the world has gone. No one wants to. Everyone wants the documentation. Yes. And no one wants to spend the time necessary on the phone. And besides, with email or text, mm-hmm. you can respond when you have the moment, and you don't. Yeah. Have to, you're not. It's usually anymore. very late at night. <laughs> Yeah. So I usually am working all day and then I don't sit down to the computer until late at night where I finally am able to respond to requests and things. And even if I do return a phone call, um, it is always like, OK, yes, I'm available that date or no, I'm not. Um, can you email me with examples of what you're looking for? Because it's all visual. So it's all you always end up having to email anyway. So it's just great to kind of start with that. And then after I get all of the information that I need from them. I uh, I kind of get a visual idea of how big this cake is going to be, what the general idea of the design will be, and I can give them a quote. And then they will either say, yes, that sounds great, or that's out of my budget, or can we adjust the design to be within my budget? 
before we ever like meet or like do a tasting or anything. So you must get the initial email that says, how much is a cake? Yes. Yes. I get that a lot. Or they, they'll say, how much is that wedding cake on your website? It's like, <laughs> I don't, could you be more specific? <laughs> uh, so um, not very many people understand that a cake is based off of how big it is. And there's really no way of getting around that. That's just how cakes are priced. So I say, and the, or they might say, well, I want this kind of cake that's maybe like a like a serves 50 people, but I want it to only serve 10, but it has to be this big. And it's like they don't quite understand that um, a cake that is a certain size will serve a certain amount of people, whether you want to serve that many or not. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. far be it from customers to make sense. <laughs> yeah, so. Clients. It's a... Uh, uh, I think they just don't think about it, you know. It's just like you've never thought about that before. Right, and that's that stands to reason. That's why I ask – sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier to get someone on the phone and just get those things. Because yeah. Because you talked about managing the back and forth. So yes. you must have – you must have a method to that madness. I do. Um, canned responses in Gmail are like my best friend uh, because after a few years, you just kind of sort of realize the same questions get answered all of the time. So I have like my please respond to these 10 question follow-up questions and then that we can move forward with um, then finalizing sort of an idea of what your design is and then I'll give you a quote. I actually don't do tastings for birthday cakes or special occasion cakes or I would never stop doing tastings. But mm-hmm. um, wedding cakes, that's sort of the one of the things that you kind of have to offer for wedding cakes because that's part of a bride's joyous, you know, uh, adventures and getting their first wedding cake is getting to do a cake tasting. And that's their only wedding cake. <laughs> exactly. Their <laughs> only wedding cake. Um, so uh, that's a, that's a fun thing to do for them. But I actually do all the wedding cake tastings in uh, one day. Like I'll do a couple tastings per month, but I'll do like six or seven in one day. Uh, to kind of back to back to back to back, and then. So they come into your house, or are you going? They come to my house. Okay. Uh, it's changed over time. Where I used to do it at coffee shops because I started in a very small duplex in Salem. There was nowhere <laughs> to even sit if you had them come over, and then uh, my next house that we we went to, it was like this big open floor plan, so there was no really like place to to be like a private client meeting space it just felt like you were in a home which i don't think that if you're in a if you're ordering food from a house you don't want to see like the house part and you're not gonna you probably going to keep a lot of the kids stuff away yes yeah well so this house that we are we are in now we just purchased this house uh, about six months ago through a short sale and uh that was a lengthy process don't do that <laughs> unless you want you have patience but for a first time house buyer i was like Really, you know, I just wanted it to be over with. But the house that we got is a as a split level, tri level, mm-hmm. uh, where you have a downstairs and upstairs. But when you first come in, it's just one um, sort of level, and it's just perfect for meeting with clients. So we basically renovated the kitchen to be a basically a commercial kitchen space um, within the limits and the laws of of how commercialized you can make your kitchen. But the living room is like a formal living room where it's just for clients. So there's only cake pictures on the wall. There's a table for where we do our meeting. There's a couch and two chairs for where we talk about the cake. And you can look at all the different cake displays that we have up. But there's no shoes. There's no coats. There's no paperwork or mail. I mean, it's a, it looks like you're just walking into like a, a, an office, you know, where, where you bake and you can see right into the kitchen where we're making all of our cakes and things. 
And uh, that has worked out really well. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. <laughs> so this is your long-term plan then. You it don't is. think, you're not planning that someday, okay, this was a great model for mm-hmm. this period of time. Someday I may change it. That may happen, but that's not your plan. No, it's not. I, I really enjoy having the freedom of being creative and artistic and only doing a few cakes a weekend. Uh, I feel like that um, I've survived this long <laughs> with the amount of income that I make that there's no reason to feel pressured like I need to bring in more you know, orders. The one thing that I do feel like at this point in my life that I may – you know, endeavor to do later on is uh, possibly um, a school or a cake decorating uh, store or something like that. uh, Because I like, I like to teach and you can't really do that out of your home uh, because just space, you know, space wise. But as far as opening up like a bakery bakery, like it just doesn't have as much of appeal to me anymore. Well, you're entrenched in what you're doing and you've Mm -hmm. got all sorts of great things happening. Yes. What are some of your favorite cakes? Can, can you you have two or three that come to mind if you were to do the best of Liz? <laughs> uh, what would what comes to mind? Um, I I try to uh, make every cake that I like the most recent cake I make to be my new favorite. You know, um, but there are a few cakes that really stand out in my mind still, and. Um, one of them is a steampunk cake that I did for one of my very best clients, and uh, she's 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 one of those clients that calls you up and says, "This is the theme I want. Do whatever you want." You're like, "Ah, yes." <laughs> so um, steampunk is one of my favorite themes to do, and we did a flying. Will you ever do that again, or does every is everything the mold broken? And no one gets to order that steampunk I'll cake. Never do the sa- I never do the same cake twice. There's okay. always things that you just learn and would do differently And is that also time. out of respect for the client? The, this was yours. No. I I'm th- not going to copy it. I'm not going to. No, I, I would like to say that it is, but it's really just selfishness where I want to be creative every single time. So to do something the same is just kind of boring. So. Okay. I love that. That's great. <laughs> so. I, I wonder if you'll say that in three or four years. So I, don't I wonder know. if you're going to just say. All right, I got that one. Let's yeah. go. I feel like wedding cakes are like that, where it's like you already kind of have to, you're kind of stuck in um, designs or trends or things that are not necessarily what you would do if you had free reign, but um, they're very similar, like ruffle cakes or rustic cakes, birch cakes. Those are all very similar. But uh, the steampunk cake we did for her, it was like a flying airship that had um, dry ice, like for steam coming out of it and had glowing lights and with like a whole city scene below it. And it was like way more than she asked for, but we just had so much fun with it. And um, Is that on your website? Can it we is. find it up there? It is. It's okay. a, underneath the sculpted cakes. And it ended up being published in an international uh, magazine over that comes out of Europe called Cake Masters. And it was, so it was my first, it was like this first uh, time that I had been recognized in a cake specific magazine for a cake and not just like a recipe or like a little mention about a wedding cake or something but it was like that uh, feel good really, yeah that feel really good. it really did feel very and that good probably was the moment in that it was a moment where you said i'm really a professional well it just uh it not necessarily felt professional it just felt it's nice to be recognized amongst uh people you respect mm-hmm. so you know your your cake is sitting next to like Mike McCary, who's a really great cake decorator up in Redmond, Washington. And uh, 
it's just like, wow, I'm really feeling really cool right now. It's like virtually rubbing elbows with your, you and know. Well, and what you know is Mike McCary's looking at your cake. That's yeah. got, that feels pretty good. I know. Sometimes he, like, answers me on Instagram and, or, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> did that start then when he saw on, when he saw you? Or did you know him before then? No, I don't, I don't specifically know him. I think he's just a nice guy and responds <laughs> sometimes to comments. But I did meet him in Austin recently. Uh, at a cake convention, and he was very, very nice, and he was ta- he was talking about shipping cakes and stuff like that. And you know, I I uh, it's I think that it's hard to forget that cake decorators are all just people who go home to their families, and you know, they have their hobbies. And same you know. thing with anybody in the business, yeah. the artisans, the chefs. Speaking of, um, just I like to ask this question: uh, bakeries or anywhere else that you particularly love in Portland? Some of your favorite food places. Um, I, for, for cakes, I, even before I was a cake decorator, I always really liked, um, Papa Hayden's. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like a coconut lemon cake that I really, which doesn't sound like it would go together, but I've always really liked their cakes. They're the closest to what I would make for myself, except for I didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know? So cake wise, that's who I really like. Um, uh, I also, I think it was like Petal Sweet or something at, at a recent bridal show that I tasted and I thought their, their cakes are really good. But um, my husband and I are real foodies. Like we really love, we love living in Portland. We love living in Portland and uh, eating different, uh, eating out at different restaurants because it's almost like no matter where you go, you're bound to have something delicious. Exactly. And when I ask <laughs> this question, you have three or four of the top of mind, and then you think of more later. But yeah. Well, we like so to. Have you been anywhere recently that the two of you really enjoyed? Uh, we just went to Pock Pock, which we've been to bunches of times because you just have to have Any, like anywhere like, new that you've been that you haven't that, that, I that haven't, surprised you that i haven't been i recently went to um common commonwealth in downtown which is not a new restaurant mm-hmm. but it was the first time i had been there and i went again like the next week uh, because they had this like squash soup like i guess they changed their menu you know weekly or something and it was like this green squash soup that looked like baby food. <laughs> like I was like, this doesn't seem like it's going to be good. It was like the most amazing soup I'd ever had. I think, well, baby food better be appealing to you I know, I know. I'll be getting used to it. As far as like other new restaurants, I just recently came out of like my food aversion period of pregnancy. So for a long time, it felt like I was just eating like well, rice. <laughs> I, well, I want to know where you go when you have a food aversion, where you can handle where you, when you have a food aversion. You I, just didn't I, do it. I didn't go out. I was like the thought of meat for some reason was just like, ugh. and I'm a meat eater. Like I love like steak and chicken and barbecue and like all those kinds of great things. I love summertime cooking outside, but I would just look at meat and just think, ugh, yuck. Um, the only thing that I really wanted but couldn't have was sushi. And uh, so I would- You got make, a favorite I, sushi place here? Uh, not in Portland. There's just like a, a little, I think, oh, actually, I really do like Blue Samurai. That's over on um, uh, Alberta, but they have really good sushi. And- uh, You ever been into uh, Zilla over in Alberta? No. Try that. Ooh yeah, I def- really, it's a little it's a little unusual. It's a little different. It's some delicious. some people think, oh, I can't wait to have a beer after pregnancy. I just keep thinking about like <laughs> sushi that I really want. So I'll make myself rice is sort of like a. It's almost like eating sushi, you know. So it's close. Uh, and it's very comforting on the stomach. I feel I never had um, morning sickness or anything like that. How did how does cake taste to you? While I you're love pregnant? it. Yeah, so, just so it's starch. So you got it all set. Yeah, starch and stuff is just very great. Um, salt so things that are salty. You can have a boy or a girl. 
Do you know I, yet? I don't know yet. We're actually having the gender reveal this Saturday. Oh. So we're... Um, I'm going a little bit overboard with all of the little things that you could, anything you could possibly do to celebrate any sort of part of the pregnancy. Yeah, you're going to <laughs> have a cake for that? Yeah, we're going to have a cake, but um, uh, I'm, ma- I'm making my own cake, so we decided not to do the gender reveal through the cake because that would be silly, you know, then I would know. And I really want to be surprised along with everybody else. Um, so I'm right. making my favorite flavor of cake that we make, which is the chocolate salted caramel. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, good luck with that. And good luck with uh, with the new baby, the new baby, yes. four and a half months, right? Yes, four and a half months there. away. And uh, good luck with your business. Thank I you. really found listening to you, I uh, didn't know you before this. <laughs> and I, um, I think uh, anybody, you know, part of your business is you mm-hmm. and anybody who listens to this um, I hope they have an occasion coming up to give you a call. I hope so. Yeah. So thanks for coming. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Uh, totally our <laughs> pleasure. Well, it's clear that Liz is an artist first and a, and a business person second. That doesn't mean that she's not a good business person, but her heart is in her artistry and she's made decisions based on that and... I have not had anything but one little cupcake that she just brought us. It was delicious. It was tasty. Uh, and I've seen her website. Um, it shows through. And I think uh, I think after talking to her, I'd like to, you know, if I was going to order a cake, I would be calling her. Well, I, I, I think it was an interesting point that she brought up. It's how Portland is very into stripped down, casual, bare essence, you know, decor when when whether it's a restaurant or even in cakes and she does the complete opposite i mean it's whimsical it's creative it's just astounding sculptural work and i think that's what makes her stand out and it's i've i've been following i've been one of those stalkers you know that she was well, talking about that's why she was here you were stalking yeah her. i well yeah i i just came i think it was on facebook that i found her or somebody posted something and i was like my god she's local and I even had her uh, create some cupcake toppers for my son's birthday, and they were they were phenomenal. They were great, and uh, and I I had no idea that she was also you know like you said such a smart businesswoman. Well, who as wants well. to do if you're having a wedding or a special birthday, maybe a birthday, but a wedding? Who wants to do stripped down bare bo- not bare bones, but grassroots? You want something that's a little ostentatious and that's noticeable. And that's- uh, there's a lot of hipster weddings out there that are just going, that are, you know, providing the illusion of, oh, my grandma just made this apple tart and we're going to serve it for our wedding. Like, you know, there it, it can look a little, we're so averse to pretension here, you know, that we want to try well, and I maintain avoid that people that. go out over the top of that to the point where they're working hard to avoid the pretension, which so in, it, in essence and they're it's, working. It's, it's a false it's pretense, the, yeah, it's a yeah false pretense. As, as it is. But I, but I mean, fascinating conversation. Um, you know, she and I spoke on the phone before the interview, and we just you know related to one another, both being you know a mother to be. I'm a mom. I've had my business for several years, and I started it um, out of my home out of necessity as well, you know, wanting to spend time with 
with the family and, and having that work-life balance that you can't just necessarily achieve when you open up a store or a shop or a, a formalized brick-and-mortar place. And I think she provided a perspective that uh, that I think is valuable in, in today's uh, food scene. I think she was trying to fit her food into her life and her creativity yes. into her life rather than fit her kid into her into the into her business and right. her work which a lot of people do and and that's fine that's their choice but um, i think that it's obvious that she has her her priorities were or now first. family first and she was she was planning for the family before she was going to have a family right so family first, creativity second, and then the business model falls into place. And she also happens to be, you have to like doing it. She she's also has to be pretty good at social media and marketing and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, which is key when you don't have uh, a, a window uh, where people can walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, it's a key point in anyone's business journey at, at which you're going to you're trying to figure out, do I expand? And what does that expansion look like? What, how does that impact my day-to-day life? How does my day, how will my day look from the time I get up to the time I go to bed? How will my day look if I go that route as opposed to continuing to do what I do now? And what are, what are your nights going to be like in bed thinking about the debt that you have because right. you just signed, signed that? Oh. And I think a lot of people can listen to that interview and Obviously not make a, a life decision on it, but hear what she had to say and realize maybe not go through the process of getting to that scary moment where she realized, I don't want to be a debt-ridden business from the get-go. I yeah. want to have an enjoyable business. So for that reason uh, and others, um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and great cupcakes too. Thanks, yeah. Thanks Liz. Oh, there's one more thing as we, as we parted. When Liz was talking about her favorite restaurants, she mentioned... Commonwealth. She actually meant Clyde Common. We love Clyde Common. Thank you.